welcome everyone to my podcast, Empyrean, a podcast where we talk about the deeper things of God. If this podcast episode blesses you, connect with me further on social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram under the name Darnell Craig. All those who desire to be taught more and to learn further, visit my website, www.darnellcraig, to enroll in my online classes, my online school, and my online webinars. Um, all you have to do is visit my website, www.darnellcraig, for further information. All those who desire to donate or give, you're able to give on Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo under the name Darnell Craig. I pray that this episode inspires you, encourages you, and provokes you to go deeper in your relationship with God. Hey, I want to welcome everyone to Empyrean. And on today's episode of Empyrean, we're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, this episode is actually inspired by a conversation I had yesterday um, when someone reached out to me and asked me, um, is it possible for someone to believe in God but not believe in the Bible? Um, to which I emphatically stated, of course. And I began to, you know, delve into how it's possible to experience God, <clears throat> to know that God is real, to have an encounter with God, but yet be skeptical about the validity of the, of the Bible. Um, but I, I drew a contrast to Jesus Christ. And I, I began to um, expound upon Jesus Christ. And I I went a lot deeper um, than I thought I was going to go. To which he stated, man, I wish you wrote this down or et cetera. And uh, it inspired me to make a podcast about it because I found myself preaching the gospel to him yesterday. And it was very, very impactful. And um, it, it, I believe it changed his life. So what we're going to do is I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ because there are many people who are in the body who've never heard the gospel. And one of the signs that you've heard the gospel is that you actually have peace with God. And what we see in the body of Christ is there's a lot of striving, you know, between God and man. Um, and there are those who are trying to obtain salvation who are working for their salvation, who are striving to enter into heaven, who think that their daily performance, um, their daily performance is what entitles them into heavenly interest. But my job today as a teacher um, is to um, expound and explain the God upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that once you hear this, it changes your life. And that it takes your relationship with God to a much deeper level. So we're going to start by going to Romans chapter 1, where this famous verse um, is, 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 is written. Romans chapter 1, verse 14. This is Paul speaking. He says, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. See, the powerful thing about the gospel um, is this the power of God for salvation? And 
Well, the thing what the gospel does, according to the scriptures, is it reveals the righteousness of God. You see, there, there are different, there, there are three types of righteousness. There is the righteousness of the law, which means that you are made right with God through doing the things that are, uh, through attempting to do the things that are written in the law. There is what you call self-righteousness, where you set your own standard and impose a standard upon yourself. And you say that if I uphold this standard, then I'm right with God. And the last righteousness is the righteousness by faith. And it is the only true way to be right with God. Unfortunately, most in the body are still attempting to um, live of those first two types of righteousness. So let's expound upon those. What happens when a man or woman attempts to be righteous by the law or righteous, um, self-righteous? So let's expound. The purpose of the law, the law is holy. The law is just. Nothing is wrong with the law. But the law was designed to uh, reveal the need for a savior. When any man or woman attempted to live by the law, what would happen is that they would inevitably fail at one point. And the, the thing about the law is that the law, if you did not fulfill all of it, you are guilty of all of it. So you could do everything except not lie. But as soon as you lie, it was the same as murdering. There was no there was no difference because if you could not fulfill it all, then you were guilty of it all. And imagine, you know, trying to live under the law and never being able to fulfill it. But the law was designed to reveal to you that you were sinful and that, you know, without God's help, you cannot be righteous. You cannot be holy without God's help. So the law, the righteousness that came through the law was designed to point you to a savior. And this second type of righteousness is the righteousness of self-righteousness where, and this happens now, there are those in a body who have developed a regimen of weekly fasting. But if you don't fast weekly with them, then you're not right with God. There are those who ascribe to, you know, praying. One of the most um, common ones is praying for an hour. <laughs> and they say that if you don't pray for an hour, you have nothing with God. But these are what you call self-righteous people. And they think that they're right with God because they pray for an hour a day. And you're not right with God because you don't pray for an hour a day. But nowhere is it stated as a mandate that you have to pray for an hour. And there are those who twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And, and they, they teach, you know, the doctrine of men as the commandments of God. But what happens is they have developed their own system of righteousness. They have rejected God's righteousness. And now their own system of righteousness is the way to be right with God. So they propagate their own system of righteousness and that they make you follow what they say and they preach what they live, what they have determined as their own standard as the way to be right with God. But both of these first righteousness, the two, two righteousness I've described by law and self-righteousness are toxic, poisonous and venomous because they will never make you right with God. But there are those, like I said, who are self-righteous, who they the, the 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 best description I've seen is in I believe Luke 16 where it says that they trust in themselves that they are righteous and they despise others.
So the self-righteous will always despise those who don't live what they live or do what they do. And they trust that their righteousness is the way they're going to go to heaven. But, you know, Jesus warns you and he said that if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no means enter into the kingdom. What does that mean, saints? The Pharisees had all these stipulations and rules and regulations that they imposed upon themselves. And they trusted in themselves that everything they were doing was going to get them interest into the kingdom. But the, the, the moral of the story or the truth of that analogy is this. Just as much as the Pharisees trusted in themselves, you have to trust in Jesus. So the Pharisees trusted in all they could do to be right with God. But you have to trust in all Jesus has done to be right with God. Now, there is a righteousness of faith. And we're going to, we're going to um, get into this. We're going to go to... Um, we're going to read verse 17 again. It says, for in it, in the gospel, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man or the just shall live by faith. We're going to go to um, Romans chapter 3. I want to show you something. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Uh, well, no, we, we, were, we were, um, start verse 19. It says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. So one thing that we realize is that the Jews at one time felt like they were better than other nations because they knew God. But what the law did, the law made everyone guilty, everyone accountable because then no one can fulfill the law. There's only one man that can fulfill the law and his name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus actually fulfilled the law for us so that we don't have to live by the law. We operate in the law of love, you know, operate, you know, in that law. And we'll, I'll go deeper into this. Now, it says, verse 20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. So you cannot be made righteous by perfect obedience. You cannot be made righteous by your deeds. You cannot be made righteous by your, your works. It says, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So all the law had the power to do was give you the knowledge of sin. Now watch, it says verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been witnessed, I manifested or revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets told us about a coming righteousness. And now they told us about a righteousness that would be apart from the law, right? And it says, verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So the only way that a person can be right with God is through faith in Jesus. It's no distinction. If you believe in Jesus, you're automatically justified and made right with God. Just justified is, is God deals with you just as if I'd never sinned. So it means that when you believe in Jesus, God does not deal with you according to your sins anymore. Now, this is what, this is what makes Jesus so important. You know, a lot of people 
they 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 claim to love God, but they stumble at the notion of Jesus Christ. Now I must admit to you, there are major historical um, misrepresentations of Jesus, such as um, a, a white Jesus, um, such as you know, you know, yeah, the white Jesus, and you know what happened in slavery when there were, you know, Bibles that were manipulated and altered to you know force submission from slaves. And uh, a true apologist or a true integral individual cannot um, dispute those narratives. Those things are ultimately true. But at the same time, it is not the history or the found, found foundation of Christianity. Christianity is based upon faith in Christ. And the thing about, you know, even though Christianity has been grossly misrepresented through evangelical Christianity and through the Western Americanized version of Christianity, um, the fundamental foundational Christianity is this, is that God so loves the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. So God, in his love for the world, sent his son to die for the sins of the world. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, which means Jesus was the appeasing sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our scapegoat. Jesus is our substitute. So Jesus died in our place. He took our punishment and Jesus is our substitutionary sacrifice. The, the, the One of the most powerful principles of the gospel that is grossly overlooked is this, is that Jesus died as me. And Jesus died for me. What does that mean? It means that everything Jesus undertook, I don't have to. Which is why there is such an error in the body of believers thinking they're going to die and go to hell. Jesus went to hell, so you never have to. You know, um, the only, because the thing about one of the, one of the, the errors that is teached about taught about salvation in these in these days is that your performance gets you your entrance into heaven. So there is a, a a false ideology that Darnell Craig has to live good enough to deserve to heaven to get into heaven. The issue is that Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus never sinned in thought. He never sinned in word. He never sinned in deed. But Jesus did that. So that he can give me his standing and his relationship and his favor with God. So Jesus was perfect. So I don't have to be. There is no pressure on any believer to be perfect. Now, now we want to get into something. So how is that relevant to living right? Why do you live right? If Jesus lived perfect so that you don't have to, what is the, the motivation? What is the, the benefit of living right. Number one, your nature has changed. If you are a believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your nature has changed. You have, you have a sin nature has been removed from you and now you have a, a, a righteous nature. So your proclivity, your predisposition as a believer is to do the right thing. Every believer is a slave to do what's right. It is hard for a genuine believer to do wrong. And a, a genuine believer feels bad, guilty when they do what's wrong because in their heart, they have Christ. In their heart, they have the Spirit of God. 
And the spirit of God has given you a love for God. Romans 5, 5, it says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives you a unique supernatural love for God. And because you love God, you want to do what pleases him. This is why Christians who do us wrong habitually, they are miserable. And I know, you know, we've been taught that, you know, if a Christian, you know, sins, then they're not a Christian. And, you know, I've seen, you know, um, I'm trying to find a nice word. I've seen uh, idiotic um, ministers say that, you know, believers are doing this and this and this. They're not saved, which is not true, because the book of First Corinthians talks about a man who was saved, who has sex with his father's wife. The issue is that just because you had a desire to do right does not mean you matured into the discipline to do what's right. But through relationship with God, God gives you the discipline to execute your desire. This is, you know, this is when we get into spiritual attainment. This is when we get into spiritual maturity, which I will do sub- subsequent um, podcast about. But I want to get back into this gospel. The good news is, is, is about Jesus Christ. What does what the name Jesus means? It means he shall save the people from their sins. So Jesus means he saved you from your sins. What, what does that mean? It means that Jesus has saved you from the power of your sins. He saves you from the penalty of your sins. And he saves you from the effects of your sins. So the blood of Jesus, his blood that was shed on your behalf, actually means that he's delivered you from the power of sin. It means he's delivered you from the penalty of sin. And it means he's delivered you from the effects of sins, right? So the 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 the, the powerful thing about the gospel is the gospel emphatically declares that the power of Satan has been broken off of your life. As a believer, it means that Satan has no power over you to preach to believers that Satan has power over them is to violate and invalidate the gospel. As a, as a believer, Satan has no power over you. The gospel destroys his power over you. As a matter of fact, Colossians 1 emphatically declares that you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So when you're an unbeliever, you're living in a kingdom of darkness. Satan is king. Satan is Lord. But when you receive Jesus, you're translated. You're you're put into another kingdom where Jesus Christ is the king of kings and Jesus is the Lord of lords, right? Now, the, the thing about the gospel is that Jesus is your scapegoat. Well, you know, right now, you know, what does a scapegoat mean? Let's say right now. Let's say I'm working in a company and let's say that, you know, there's a major contract and let's say that, you know, I'm supposed to handle some funds. Right. And let's say that, um, you know, the, the person tells me, hey, I want you to take, you know, this this 100,000 to the bank and deposit it there. OK, boom. And let's say what happens is along the way there, mysteriously, ten thousand dollars comes missing. It, it comes up missing. Right. And what happens is they're going to scrutinize everything. And even if it was not my fault, they're going to make me the scapegoat and I'm going to bear the responsibility of losing the $10,000 and they're going to terminate me or let me go because you always need a scapegoat. The scapegoat is the person 
upon whom the responsibility or consequence is laid upon. And they're called the scapegoat. But scapegoat actually comes from a, a sacrifice in Israel where once a year you were to take a goat and you were to lay upon the goat the burden of the, the sins of the nation. And you were let let the goat go free into the wilderness and that goat bore the sins of the nation for that year. So the nation was deemed as innocent and not guilty because that goat bore their sins. The thing I love about Jesus is that Jesus is the ultimate scapegoat. Jesus took the penalty for your sins. Jesus, according to Isaiah 53, Jesus was wounded for your transgressions. Every wound that Jesus Christ took upon his body was for all the transgressions you would commit. It says he was bruised for our iniquities. Every un, every bruise upon his body was for your iniquities. It says he was he was um, chastised for my peace. It means that every insult, every mockery, and every every um every um ridicule he took was for you to have peace. It says that um by his stripes we're healed. Jesus took stripes, thirty nine stripes on his back with a cat of nine tails, or forty stripes, just for the, the your healing. So all these different things that Jesus took, he did it as your scapegoat. And Jesus bore it so you don't have to. So there's a lot of false burden in the body because we don't understand what Jesus bore. So because Jesus was punished for my sins, it means I'm not going to be punished for my sins. So once again, what is the benefit of living right? You're living right for the quality of your soul. You're, now, this is dangerous, but I want to say this. Your living right is not for God, it's for you. The Bible says if you're righteous, then you're righteous for yourself, which means that me living right is my decision to have the best quality of life possible because righteousness has its own reward. Righteousness brings peace. Those who don't live right, they lack peace. So there is a, a peace that you're able to operate in and there is a, a, a health of the soul that you will possess by your living righteously. But I'm living right because I love myself. I'm living right because I love God. But me living wrong does not change who God is. God will be God if Darnell lives wrong. But Darnell will not actualize his potential if I live wrong. So living right is a personal choice to actualize my potential and to live the highest quality of life possible. Because my living right is, 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 is my choice to walk like Jesus. Now, here's the thing. As a believer, you have received a nature that empowers you to live right. You're not living right just based upon willpower. You're living right because there's a grace to live right. There is an anointing to live right. There, there is a, a, a power upon your life to live right. And you have received the power to be a witness that Jesus is alive because Jesus' resurrection power is working in you. Right? So we talk about this glorious gospel. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans, it says, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people don't understand, that your faith has justified you. Your faith has made you right with God. Your faith gives you peace with God. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God has nothing against you. God, the Bible says, if he were to mark iniquities, who could stand? God is not marking your iniquities. There is this false notion that when a Christian dies, they're going to stand before God 
and God's going to read off everything they've ever done wrong, and that'll determine if they get into heaven. This is a lie. For a believer, when you die, you're going to stand before the Lord, and the motives of everything you've done is going to be revealed. Um, what does that mean? It means this. When you stand before the Lord, let's say right now, this this podcast is my motivation, the love of God, and the love for my brothers and sisters in Christ? If so, when I stand before the Lord, he's going to show me my motives. He's going to test my motives with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit bears witness that my motives were pure, I will be rewarded for the changes that happen in the lives of those who hear me. But if my motives is to get a big name, my motivation is to get my name out, my motivation is to be considered as, you know, the who's who or the, or the charismatic zoo, if, if that's my motivation... I will suffer loss. I will lose the potential rewards that I would have gained from this podcast. So everything I do, God looks at my motives and my the, the purity of my motives determines the level of my reward when I ascend into the heavenly realm after death. So Christians are your your you will be saved. But there are rewards for everything you do, rewards for raising your your children, rewards for, you know, being a, a, a big sister, uh, being a, 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 a friend, um, being being a, a, a brother and sister in Christ. All everything you do, your business, everything you do, the motivation of your heart will be um, examined and scrutinized. But you will be saved because because you believe in Jesus. I remember young Darnell. I used to live in constant fear of if I died, I was going to hell. And and I, I don't believe I'm the only one. I don't believe that I'm the only one who who has, has lived in fear that if they go to sleep, they're going to hell, you know? And I remember I had an encounter with God. This I had to be like 19 years old. And I had, that was like 10 years ago. I had an encounter with God. And the Lord spoke to me. And he showed me a verse. And, um... This verse is in John chapter five, but um, Roman, I mean, no, John chapter five, verse 24, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. So watch this. When you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. And eternal life is an intuitive relationship with the Father through the Son. To have eternal life means in your heart, you know God. It means you know God intuitively through what the Son has gifted you with. But it also says that you will not come into judgment. What does that mean? It means there is now, therefore now, no condemnation to those in Christ. When you're judged, you're not going to be judged unto condemnation. You're going to be judged unto life, which means you have nothing to fear when you die. See, those who, see, listen, they're, the dangerous thing about rejecting Jesus, you know, and I, like I said, Jesus causes many to stumble. His name but, but there's no other name whereby men may be saved. But the powerful thing about Jesus is this. Everyone who rejects Jesus is saying that they are willing to bear the consequences of their sin. Everyone who rejects Jesus is saying that they are willing to, 
to die in their sins. But when you receive Jesus, he has saved you from your sins. So with Jesus, I have nothing to fear. Without Jesus, I will be judged unto condemnation. With Jesus, I will be resurrected unto life. So without without Jesus, I could not be saved because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No one could come to the father except through him. And it is impossible to love the father and hate the son. Whosoever does not confess the son has not the father, you know. But like I said, there's been a gross misrepresentation of Christianity that causes many African-Americans to not believe in Jesus or receive Jesus because it is erroneously um, declared as the white man's religion. You know, we're, we're, we're taught that, you know, Christianity was forced upon us by the slave masters, not realizing that before America was in existence, the Ethiopian um, kingdom accepted Christianity as its religion. Christianity was in Africa before America existed. So Christianity actually was influenced. Um, no, it actually was in Africa thousands of years before we came into existence. I digress. So there is a lot of erroneous information that is propagated by those who hate Jesus or those who hate Christianity as a way to, you know, demonize African Americans who profess the faith, you know? But we have to we have to be aware, saints, that this is the good news, the, the evangel. When, when you see the word gospel, gospel means means evangel, the good news of. So the good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus saves me from my sins. It means that Jesus makes me right with God. It means that Jesus died as me. Jesus died as Darnell. Jesus didn't just die for Darnell. He died as me. It means that Jesus was my substitute. Everything that Jesus did, I did. And he did it so I don't have to do it. Jesus freed me from perfection. I don't have to be perfect in terms of never making a mistake, never making a bad decision. It's in my best interest to live right. But Jesus died for me so I don't have the struggle of perfection. I don't have the, the struggle of, 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 of never making a mistake. I don't have to have perfect performance to determine my relationship with God. Jesus. Jesus gives me his standing, his favor, his righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this. It is the power of God for salvation. I am saved from sin. I am saved from disease. I am saved from poverty. I am saved from loneliness. I am saved from ignorance. I am saved. There are so many things, everything evil I am saved and preserved from through Jesus this is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why it is so dangerous when people reject Jesus. Because without Jesus, there is no salvation. And all that awaits those without Jesus is a dreadful condemnation. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is God's plan. Listen, if you're listening to me today and you do not believe in Jesus, I want to make you aware that Jesus loves you and that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for you when you were yet a sinner. Listen, you don't have to be perfect to come to God. 
You don't have to get your life together to come to God. You don't have to never make a mistake to, 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 to come to God. But God had a plan for you before the foundation of the world. And that plan can only be realized through Jesus Christ. But Jesus loves you. Jesus thought of you when he descended in, into the earth. Jesus thought of you when he manifested into the flesh. And Jesus bore everything that he bore on Calvary for your soul to be saved, for your life to be redeemed. So you could be bought with his blood so he could raise the quality of your life. So you can live a life that is supernaturally, no, that is humanly impossible through his indwelling presence that lives in your heart, that changes you into another man or woman, that gives you the supernatural ability to do what you could not do before without his indwelling you. God loves you. And God was thinking about you before he made the world. And God was thinking about redemption. He was thinking about elevation. He was thinking about you living a resurrected, ascended life on the face of the earth that brings glory to him and that brings other people into his glorious kingdom. This, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have nothing to fear. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no reason to fear, no dread. We have, we, listen, perfect love, knowing that God loves you, it casts out fear. There is no fear in love. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. When you fear, it's because you don't know how much God loves you. The more you learn about God's love, the less you fear. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This, my friends, is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other name through which men may be saved. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Jesus loves you. Receive him today. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, make sure you connect with me further on Facebook and Instagram, Darnell Craig. All those who are blessed and you would like to give or donate, you can give on PayPal, Darnell Craig, Venmo, Darnell Craig, Cash App, Darnell Craig, and all those interested in learning more and to um, enroll in my online school or academia or my School of the Prophets, or my mentorship program, or to sign up for my monthly webinars, visit my website, www.darnellcraig, um, and you'll be able to connect further. God bless you all.